This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 28, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. With respect to the drumbeat for war in Syria, if you leave aside the broad and deep public opposition, the lack of any constitutionally required congressional approval, and the fact that no one seems to have a game plan for after the invasion, the arguments for attacking Syria just don't make a lot of sense. Ben Friedman, a research fellow in Defense and Homeland Security Studies at the Cato Institute, discusses the weak case for an attack on Syria. It's easy to understand historically the opprobrium, the international norm against chemical weapons use that comes from the world wars um, and the experience of that century. But logically, it's hard to understand why we should draw a line in the sand about around one particular weapon. We're essentially saying you're free to kill civilians in all sorts of terrible ways, uh, but just don't do it with this one weapon. War, civil war in particular, all war is full of moral atrocities, morally outrageous acts, to use the Secretary of State's terms. And it seems to me that if we're going to object to the murder of civilians, we have a lot more work to do in Syria and around the world. So it's difficult for me to see why we single out chemical weapons as opposed to all the other weapons out there. There's another line of reasoning for airstrikes, cruise missile strikes, bomber attacks on Syria, which says, even if you agree that maybe we shouldn't have set up a red line or the president should not have set up a red line, the fact that he did imperils our credibility. It puts our word on the line. So we have to fight to stand up for our credibility, for our word. And punitive strikes can do that. One doesn't really have to accomplish anything important militarily to show that you're serious. I don't buy into that Uh, rationale for a series of reasons. One of them is I don't think credibility travels like that. I think when leaders in Iran or other countries look at whether or not they should take particular actions to stay in power, um, they're not greatly interested in in U.S. success or um, the percentage of times we carried out threats in the past. They look at the particular circumstances they're in and the balance of power uh, on the ground and the interest that outside powers might have in intervening. And what we do in Syria doesn't greatly affect that. Uh, that's just that's not just me talking. That's that view of credibility is is uh, backed up by reams of academic studies. We have this way of talking about it in Washington has nothing to do with history. Um, if you did care a lot about credibility, you thought it was important and, tra- and traveled, and all our alliances depended on our willingness to stand up. You wouldn't want to put it on the line in places where your interests are small, because then you're likely to wind up giving in easily because the public's not going to be for it. So if you were really convinced in the Cold War, as many people seem to be with the domino theory that uh, protecting Germany required fighting useless war in Vietnam, uh, the real answer would be don't have the war in Vietnam in the first place and imperil your credibility. Uh, So if we're really worried about scaring Iran, uh, maybe we shouldn't have a war in Syria because it might just undermine public support. Uh, for war. But the real answer is I, I just don't think credibility uh, matters in, in the way that uh, people say it does. With respect to Libya, the president said, look, if we don't take some specific action now, it will render the UN charter a, an empty vessel, to use his term. The president also said that we had to uh, bomb Libya. One of the reasons he gave for doing what we did in Libya a couple years ago was uh, to show Bashir Assad uh, in Syria that uh, he couldn't go after the rebels. Uh, he, that was a credibility argument. It was a kind of domino argument. It didn't work. Um, so uh, I don't think it, it's it's uh, a particularly good argument here. And I should add, uh, 
The same people who are now saying we need to bomb them for credibility will probably say we need to bomb them more for credibility after the first strike because whatever the White House says, the White House says we won't be doing it to overthrow the regime. The fact of the matter is when you're bombing a country, a government, and there's rebels fighting them, you are helping overthrow the government, even if you're doing so in a way that's essentially a pinprick, which is what we're talking about. And then you've you've put yourself on the line. So the same people now saying we need to bomb for credibility for the red line will say, once we're in it, we should be in it to win it. Um, former General Anthony Zinni said today, uh, you can't really be half pregnant in these things. And that's, I think, what he means. There'll be tremendous pressure to unify the means and what people see as the ends, which is to win the war. The regime will be just as capable after the bombing of killing civilians in broad numbers. Maybe they'll be reticent about using chemical weapons or they could still kill lots of civilians. The rebels won't be in particularly good shape. They won't be in, in uh, anywhere particularly close to running the country and capable of doing so if they did win. So I think there'll be a lot of pressure to escalate. And I hope the White House, uh, I hope that we don't bomb, but I hope if we do, the White House at least has a plan to avoid escalation. Once we get in, as you say, there'll be a lot of people saying, Let, let's be in it to win it. What are the likely uh, things that you know presidents and military officials tend not to see in these kinds of engagements beforehand? I think it's difficult to anticipate the way the pressures will mount on you to, to get more involved. You, these sorts of strikes involve presidents making certain arguments and having made those arguments then becomes harder to say, we don't care or we don't think our interests are uh, on the line here or we don't think we would serve our interests by taking this side. Uh, in the past, uh, in Iraq, in the 90s, we had a series of airstrikes that weren't closely followed by uh, ground combat. But of course, uh, we had trouble uh, disengaging ourselves from that war. Um, in uh, Libya, we initially said we're not trying to overthrow the regime, but I think you saw an escalation in the, in the goals of airstrikes. Uh, so uh, there's a natural tendency to uh, unify means and ends. And um, one has to be careful, I think, uh, going in if, if you don't want to do that, if you just want to really just do this and get out of it to, to stick to your guns. In this case, you have public opinion broadly against the war, which I think is helpful uh, in that regard. But uh, what you're suggesting then is that once we get into it, our fate uh, is tied to the outcomes in Syria. Well, we're going to be safe from 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 a national security perspective uh, from Syria or their chemical weapons, no matter what happens. They don't have the capacity to act, to attack the United States. They're a weak government, a weak military, presiding over a crumbling country that's falling in on itself. Uh, whatever we do, that's likely to be the case. So they're they're not really. Uh, much capable of harming us. I think the the humanitarian issue is the is the one that's more likely to be the slippery slope here. Having said, we forbid you from killing civilians in this certain way. Uh, I think it will be harder to say uh, when civilians die in other ways that uh, we're not going to get involved. And I think that's unfortunate in the sense that it's unlikely that anything the United States is likely to do, anything that's likely to be politically palatable, would actually be particularly good for humanitarianism. A, running civil war with fairly equally matched sides is a disaster for humanitarianism. And so until you're prepared to actually take one side or another and end the war, 
a lot of things that you might do to intervene are going to prolong it. And that's going to be bad for the people there. It's going to uh, shorten their lifespans. It's going to hurt health care. It's going to hurt sanitation. It's going to be bad for the economy and wealth creation that makes people healthier and happier. So um, if we were really for humanitarianism, I think we would be looking at this from a, a totally different perspective and maybe just trying to prevent the war in the first place. So I think really what we're seeing is, is the real underlying factor, I think, for a lot of people who want to intervene is the sort of idea that we have to accelerate history by overthrowing autocratic regimes. And I think we underappreciate the difficulties of order and the problems of anarchy uh, when it comes to human livelihood and the fact that places like Syria just aren't set up particularly well in their constituent parts to be liberal democracies. Ben Friedman is a research fellow in defense and homeland security studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more on the case against the next war at our website, cato.org.